Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining. I am Father Bonaventure. I'm joined by Father Gregory Pine. Uh, you'll notice also that I am in striking 21st century updated technology color. Uh, so thanks to the Patreon supporters for uh, finally bringing me into the fold of nice cameras. So I'm giving Father Joseph Anthony a run for his money in terms of uh, the clarity of image. If you're listening to this, just keep listening. Don't worry about it. But if you're on YouTube, you'll have noticed that it's just a lot brighter, which is great. So, um, But forget about the camera and focus on Father Gregory. Father Gregory, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, let's see. This past weekend, I went to... Obwalden is the name of the canton for a little retreat. Uh, and I made a pilgrimage to the holy sites of St. Nicholas of Flu, who Ooh. is uh, the patron saint of Switzerland. And uh, he lived in the middle of the 15th century. He kept Switzerland from devolving into a state of civil war. And um, some miracles are attributed to him since then, specifically like protecting Switzerland during the Second World War. But yeah, I visited the church where he was baptized, the church where, well, his, his hermitage. I visited the church where his body is, and then just did a little walk around the lake next to the town where he lived. And it was really beautiful. It was a place of great peace. And um, I didn't realize that I had been, you know, desirous of such peace until I had it. And I was like, wow, yeah, this day is great. And I'm happy. And there are ducks in this lake. And when there are ducks on the lake, unless you're holding Caulfield, things are, things are really looking up. So it was great. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing well. Are Swiss are Swiss ducks like American ducks, or are they more I don't know, like willing to change different kinds of money, you know, accept different currencies of food, that kind of thing? Uh, do they look right, the yeah. same? I mean, do ducks are they are they bigger? Are they smaller? Are they do they have like Swiss? Are they red and white? I don't know. This is an interesting like phenomenological question because I looked at them and I just I cognized duck. I didn't think like mm. duck differences. I just cognized duck. So I just mm. slotted them into whatever concept that I had my pre-existent duck concept based on American examples of duckitude. Um, so I guess they're they're just like enough American ducks for me not to notice, but I'm very Close unobservant. Um, so I don't notice people's eye color. I don't notice when people have wedding mm -hmm. bands. Um, people mm. make these comments and I am entirely at sea when it comes to, you know, verifying like small details in life. So um, I will just say that they were ducks. I'll leave it at that. Ladies and gentlemen, do not hire Father Gregory as a private detective. Okay, that's great. Um, things are good here. It's fall, finally. D.C. is a weird place because the seasons overlap for just a little bit. And what happens is it's kind of like a route. So um, fall, summer goes for a while, and then fall comes and makes a quick foray in. And then it's like a week of that. And then fall return, like summer then returns with some friends and kind of bashes you back a little bit until the final full routing when the sort of thing. So we just had... We had a week or two, we had a week of fall, and then it kind of warmed up a little bit as kind of summer said, no, nah, no, nah, not yet. Um, but I think we're actually, they've been, summer's been routed and is going off to its caves, uh, and we're in full fall mode, which is a little bit later than one would like. October, I usually think about it as a kind of fall thing, but in D.C., you take what you can get. So that's candy corn time, and leaves are turning different colors, and crunching under your feet, and all that kind of stuff. So that's exciting. Yeah. It's, uh, it's good weather. Wherever you are, dear listeners and, uh, and viewers, I hope you're having a good fall. Um, wherever that is. Mm -hmm. uh, would, would you say that you have seen a sufficient number of fef festive gourds to ring in the festive gourd season? 
I have two festive gourds in my room. Yes, um, they have. <laughs> yeah, there are enough festive gourds for those who are enjoy, enjoy festive gourds and um, related pieces about that. Uh, yes, this is it's it's we're at the right space. I've not yet strung them around my neck, but um, they they are present and making themselves known. Yeah. Nice. Um, yep. Speaking of festive gourds, yep. one of the characters in a Marvel movie is not yet a festive gourd. But right. we're talking about Marvel movies more generally. So this <laughs> episode is—it's a good transition point, right? Um, so this episode, we thought we'd talk about generally, as you know, Father Gregory and I talk about literature, a film, or something. And I don't think we've done a Marvel movie yet, or anything like a Marvel movie. Um, and yet yeah. we've seen all of them at least twenty times. So uh, we thought, why not? Why not do a, a one on Marvel movies, kind of in general? And this might spin out to this is probably going to be a twelve-hour episode. So just kind of leave it on play full time. Uh, in the background as you as you are um and, and talk about marvel movies kind of in general and we'll use some details as we go along um but the phenomenon of it and you might say well why talk about marvel movies and the answer is why not marvel is just the most bizarre ex- corporation because i think honestly they could have a trailer that says you will just see a blank screen and then have the marvel logo and then I'd, I'd say yeah that sounds reasonable and then when it came out i would go and i'd give them twelve dollars right and I would sit there and then just be a black screen. It would say Marvel. And I'd say, that's, that's great. That's great. That's $12 well spent. Um, they could literally do anything to you. Like, they, they have so much credit. Um, and they mm. produce some bad Marvel movies. Thor 2 mm. is just a you know, CGI explosion. It's, like, <laughs> offensive. It's like stealing being from you. And yet mm. you're, you know, you're like, Ragnarok, let's do it. I'm going to go back to that. Um, so, yeah, do, Father Gray, do you have any sense of like, um, I mean, what's your general take on Marvel movies? Would you say are you when you see one a trailer coming out, are you excited about it? Um, mm-hmm. Are you kind of hesitant about it? Are you like mm-hmm. we'll see that kind of stuff? What's your general feeling towards Marvel movies? Yeah, I mean, probably all of the above. Um, so I think that um, I don't know if I would describe this to the generation or I would describe this to personal strengths and weaknesses, but I would say that I am somewhat hopeful and somewhat jaded when it comes to the consumer culture of the United States of America. So sometimes when I see a Marvel trailer, I just think we're going to make more money. Um, And I realize that because Marvel movies are perfectly tailored to the making of money. Like they're not going to do anything super adventurous. They're not going to do anything Mm. super or whatever artsy fartsy or philosophical. I mean, it's an action movie. It's just right down the middle of the plate. It's basically always going to be PG 13. Um, They're going to gross an incredible amount unless a global pandemic puts a serious, you know, wrench in their plans. Um, And I'm going to be able to tell you for the most part, what's, what's going to transpire. There aren't going to be too terribly many surprises, but like, you go to it for that, right? You go to be entertained in a kind of mm. delightful, not hyper-philosophical, kind of laid back, somewhat passive-receptive type way so that you can see things explode and then people make heroic sacrifices of a kind of belligerent sort. And then just to leave, yeah, like you said, content, even if you've just watched a blank screen for two hours and 23 minutes. Um, so I, w- I would describe my feelings with respect to Marvel movies as mixed, but generally positive. Yeah, I think that's that's right. I mean, they're kind of they're punchy kickies. That's the genre of them. Um, but they but they have just enough uh, something to them, which we'll talk about, and yet not as much other stuff. Like it's not you're you have to be in a mood to see a John Wick move, for instance. Like that's a punchy kicky, mm. but it's more well, it's more like a stabby murdery. Um, <laughs> but 
but like Marvel movies, but at the same time, they're also not like Star Wars movies where the enemies are all like CGI clones that you don't, who mm. cares, you know, it's like shooting practice. Yeah. So the enemies are oftentimes humans. Uh, they do their worst when they turn the enemies into giant like goblins. Those are to- so uninteresting to me. But anyway, but they might be interesting to you, dear listener. Um, so let's talk about Marvel. So we could just get a kind of recap on this and uh, sense of this thing. Of course, Marvel movies are based on the comics. Uh, now, the comics, I don't know, Father Greg, have you read any of the comics? Or do you pay attention to the, the Marvel Universe from the comic side of things? Because that uh, is... No, no. Next level? I mean, it. yeah, Marvel's, there's 26 of them out right now, I think, movies wide. I think there's 26. Mm-hmm. And there's releasing three this year uh, or more. But they're spinning out and all this. But the, the comic books, I don't know. They don't play by the same rules in those comic books. I mean, there are times when there's, like, multiple Thors, and there's, like... I mean, it's, it is... Nothing seems to follow the right path, but you can get deep, intricate webs of things. Um, but anyway, there's 26 movies. Obviously, start the first one, kind of... Yeah. Well, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, even though it was made, or, made later. But even you could go, you could say, no, no, it goes all the way back to that big bang thing with the Affinity Stones. But whatever. Okay, first Avenger. Um, and then we have up to the latest one coming out, I think is Eternals, but there's going to be some other ones out there too. They kind of get break, broken down into two, I see them as broken down into two categories, um, kind of team bashes, so that's the Avenger movies. Uh, and then there's the kind of individual origin stories and like, uh, you know, double date kind of movies. Um, mm. Do you, Father Gray, do you have a preference on, do you like team bashes or do you prefer the kind of smaller, you know, main character plus a friend? So it's interesting that you pose this question. I hadn't anticipated thinking about this, but I remember watching the first uh, the first series of Spider-Man movies with Tobey Maguire, who was like a 47-year-old mm-hmm. man playing like a 16-year-old boy's part, which was great. Um, but I remember thinking by the time that you got to Spider-Man 3 that they had just used up all of my goodwill because I remember Spider-Man 3 feeling so disjointed because... Every time I felt like I had a sense of where it was going, not that I, you know, was super complicated or required, you know, disentangling, but every time I felt like I had a sense of where it was going, a new villain was introduced. It's like you got Venom and then you got like the dude who found his dad's costume. And then you got like the dude who turned into a sand monster. And I was like, what is going on? This is just, it's just, it's just entirely too much. Um, and, And yet I find myself watching Avengers movies, where there are something like mm. 17 heroes and 14 villains, and I feel in no way overwhelmed. Um, so yes. I, like, I like the big group movies, and I like the fact that a lot of the single and, like you call them, double date movies uh, feed into the big movies. And just when you think that the, like the universe can't embrace other members who have up until that point been separate, like Guardians of the Galaxy, you mix yes. them in in, this, in the next You mix matchup. them in. So there's something yes. about that, which I think, I don't know what they figured out, but they've managed to host large scale events. Like they are awesome at hosting big parties and making everyone feel like they have a place at the table, like they're the most important guests, yes. like you're part of the fun. That That's a skill. And that I will not look down my nose. Does one look down his or her? I don't know. Whatever. I won't look down my nose at that. Yeah. Ever. No, that's, uh, that, that's a, that is a good point. It is real because you think... Um, I mean, Avengers movies have, as you say, 12, sometimes 12 to 17, depending on how you count things. 
and it it just it's you that should be on paper too much to take hold of. But they figured out a way to make it appear such that each one has its own consistency and there's an intensity to it and such. So that if you're a Captain America fan or you're an Iron Man fan or if you're a Black Widow fan, if you're you know Guardians of the Galaxy fan, even though they're only in there for say ten minutes or twelve minutes together, or something they're interacting enough that you feel like you got what you wanted. It's not like oh you know I wish Hawkeye was in there more. No one would say that. But even if you like Hawkeye, he's in there enough. Um, so like even the worst Avengers. Um, okay. So, so that's the, is it, but, and I, and they're also good balance cause you need both. You need, I think you need the, the big ones, you know, uh, and then you also need small origin stories kind of things, um, which is, I, I imagine we'll see why that is. Okay. So, um, let's get into some questions and talk about this because usually we talk about movies and we kind of, we explain about part of them and, and such, but everyone I assume that isn't under a rock has seen at least a few of these things or at least knows about them. So in this episode, mm-hmm. Best not to explain, per se, but more like just our conversation and see what, what Dominicans think about these things and see if you, th- like, eavesdrop- eavesdropping on this conversation about wh- some questions about Marvel movies. So I've got the first one for you, Father Gregory, is, um, I mean, what is it about these movies now that make them so popular? Uh, because it can't just be, let me just open that with, it can't just be because they're about superheroes, because then you said Contra is DC movies. In DC yeah. movies, they tried to run with the big boys, and they're atrocious. So they decided, you know what? We're not going to play their game. We're going to go all crazy with the Joker thing and start a whole new business. Like, we're going to make an R-rated... Mo- and that's Batman. the Batman's coming out. And okay, okay, fair enough. You know, Now, you could say the Christian Bale ones, whatever. But DC decided that in the current situation, they just can't compete with Marvel, it seems like, on this sort of PG-13 rated stuff. So they just can't. So it can't just be able to superheroes. But what is it about... What is it about Marvel? We talked a little bit. What, what, what do you think makes them so attractive to everybody? I mean, this yeah. is kind of cross. Now, if you're like a 70-year-old man, maybe not. But even then, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. So first thought is, I was thinking about this recently because I have like a list of books that I would like to read at some point before I die or maybe after. And um, typically when I finish a novel, I'll just think of, I don't know, another novel that I want to read. And if I don't have one immediately offhand, I'll go to that list and then I'll read that novel. So maybe it's like, okay, you know, we've read these four Dostoevsky, these big novels together, but I haven't read whatever, like Notes from Underground or Poor Folk or something like that. Some of these shorter things. So I'll go and I'll, I'll scoop those up. But I find that when I, when I read those books, it takes a little bit of effort. So I need to decide to read them because there are other things that I could do at the time when I would ordinarily read, which is less demanding of me. So while I feel myself to be, you know, kind of drawn into something big and humanizing and lovely, oftentimes it just, it'll just demand something of me at the outset. So it's nice every once in a while to read a book or to listen to a book that demands little or next to nothing of you, uh, like Mm. a kind of page turner. So I was, after I finished my first chapter of my dissertation, I felt like I was going to die. So I read Harry Potter and it was wonderful. I hope mm-hmm. I don't scandalize anyone by that, but I love it. And I read it when I was in high school, maybe. And this is the first time I'd gone back to it since. And it was just, it was sweet because it's almost as if the books read themselves. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. when I go hiking, I'll read or I'll listen to Agatha Christie novels, which aren't very demanding, very delightful. And if you get a good one, like Death on the Nile or And Then There Were None or Murder on the Orient Express, it's awesome. It's really just, it's just a lot of fun. And I think that sometimes when I think, okay, I'm going to watch a movie, you know, propose a movie for the brothers to watch, you do something that's not so much ambitious, but maybe just a little bit demanding. So you watch a Mm -hmm. Nolan film, which requires you to think about time travel, or you watch a Jordan Peele film, which requires you to be somewhat socially uncomfortable. Um, 
but then every once in a while, it's nice just to watch a movie that kind of watches itself. And I think, I think the Marvel movies are just that. It's not to say that they're like cheap or crass or bad. It's just to say that they're, they're just kind of entry level page turning to mix a metaphor uh, movies. And something about that's just, it's just nice every once in a while. And I don't know that it's more complicated than that, but you certainly have other things to add. No, you said, I mean, at the start, you said the entertaining. I think that's, entertainment is, is just to be, it should be entertaining, it should be fun. Um, I mean, G.K. Cheston did these sort of things, right? Um, there should be the sense of, of, of joy and ease, like having fun and enjoying something should be simple in some ways. There are, of course, deep pleasures and deep satisfactions, as you say. So like, when I think of a Christopher Nolan movie, that's what I call a thinky-punchy. So it's got the punchy bit, but it's also got the thinky bit. And and Marvel movies have don't are they're not thinky punchies, they're just punchy kickies. And those are so yeah, it's just a but at the same time though, there's just what I think is interesting, they have to give you something. They have to give you something in there that keeps you as opposed to just kind of watching a kid's movie, for instance. So it it does have for me it's it's entertaining. It doesn't demand a lot. But there's also what, to, to me at least, is that these these characters are individual people that don't just have like special powers, but actually have like different personalities, and they get involved with each other in different ways. And you find yourself like rooting for one or associating one, that kind of thing. So I think there's something about not just the entertaining value of it, um, but also that it's just deep enough, it's just human enough, I should say that you can get attached to characters. And it's like when I read a novel and I'm, I'm excited about this character to find out what's going to happen to this person. Um, and I'm kind of rooting for this person. I'm, or I don't like this person and I'm hoping this person will change and convert. And I think there's, there's enough of that. It's, it's realistic. It has this drama aspect to the characters, which is, which is fun. Um, okay. So we're going to take a quick break here. We just started in this. We're going to get more into uh, our reflections on Marvel movies and the phenomenon of these things. Um, we get back and talk a little more about maybe even the theological aspects of like uh, how Marvel characters compare with saints, for instance, or what we could possibly learn from this. If anything, there's no reason to go super deep on these sort of things, but it is God's planning and not just random explaining. So we'll be mm. back in just a few minutes to talk about uh, Marvel movies and our reflections on them. You are listening to Godsplaining. Visit us at godsplaining.org to listen to our episodes, shop our store, and donate to our podcast. All gifts go to improving the podcast and bringing the gospel to more listeners. Thanks for your support. And we're back with a word from our sponsor, I think, which may or may not include Marvel advertisements. At some point, they might. Who knows? That is a big empire. Um, so we were talking about, about what it is now that makes these things so popular um, and about Marvel movies that, that why people like them. Another thing I wanted to think was is nostalgia aspect. I was wondering if that's a part of it. Like you do some things um, like Transformers, for instance. I think I remember watching this movie even though I was in college or something because I played with the Transformers. But I don't think Marvel is like that because I never, I never did comic book movies, yet I still like them. So it can't just be nostalgia. Um, yeah, I think it's something like entertaining character. I don't know. You yeah, know? Maybe there, there could be like a little bit of nostalgia. You think about the Captain America thing. It kind of harkens back to the greatest generation, and it gets you feeling somewhat involved in World War II mm -hmm. heroism exploits and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of these things are, are I mean... Completely sure. different setting. 
the one that we watched, what we, the one we watched most recently was what Shang-Chi and the 10 rings. You know, it's like, yeah. I have no nostalgia Asian for Panther. any of the settings or any of, right. you know, like anything about that movie because I've never experienced anything in which that movie takes place. I mean, there's like a yeah. huge dragon at the end. It's like, um, right. But still it taps into something, you know, it taps into something as to what that is. Well, we'll, we'll get into that. Well, this would be some fantasy too, I suppose. There is something, it's like J.R.R. Tolkien, right? You, you, there is, there's, there's some fantasy involved in it that you permit, um, because it strikes me the Marvel movies have, like, some of them it's just technology that powers things, and yeah. the other stuff is magic. And what always interesting to me is how those two realms connect. So, yeah. like, Doctor Strange has magical powers, right? Yeah. Iron Man has just really good computer bits. It seems you know, that Thor way. has has a god hammer, and Hawkeye doesn't have anything. Um, so, and yet these guys get along. Like it's, it's what I'm always impressed with is how, you know, how they can possibly put together magic and technology and yeah. nothingness. It's just really Hawkeye bashing here. So if you want, if you really like Hawkeye and read a comment and such, just let me know. Um, but it is, you know, I mean, it's like Batman, for instance, doesn't have any, like DC doesn't have any magic. I don't think they have magic. No, shoot. They've got Wonder Woman now. So they've got weirdness. But for Batman, there's just a guy in a cape. You know, also, I mean, magic. Superman too, don't they? I mean, he's like uh, the ultimate magic tech. That's just too far. Yeah, I mean, but everyone knows that's not real. I mean, that just that. <laughs> yeah, the God Man. He has, he has every God possible man. advantage except for the fact that some random rock from some random planet that was completely contrived is his undoing. So whatever. Yeah, that is a, that is an argument against the existence of God in that universe. Um, it just seems very bizarre. That would, that would be... Um, anyway, okay. Um, so we talked a little about the movies. Let's talk about... Uh, I think we've had a similar experience about this, and maybe maybe other people have had this, is like it is entertaining to watch the Marvel movies, but I also get excited to watch them. And then at the end of it, I always feel like a little bit dissatisfied, not because of... Well, sometimes because of the plot, like they, they brought out a big dragon or something, but oftentimes just even if it was a good movie, I feel like... I shouldn't have like enjoyed it or something. My comparison is like when you see someone, you see a ring pop and you think I'm old, but you know what? I'm going to try this ring pop. And you're kind of, you, and you think, you know, it just doesn't feel right. Like it's, it's too much sugar, you know, and it's ring pop. And there's just something about it. Like I should be drink, I should be, you know, going for like 80% dark cocoa or something. Um, and I kind of feel like Marvel movies, leave you with this a sort of dissatisfaction for some reason but it's hard for me to pin down what that dissatisfaction i mean do you find do you get dissatisfied with any marvel movies or do you feel like guilty pleasure is the right word for this i don't know what this is yeah so probably not not as acutely as you do um but i think that i'm more easily satisfied by movies than you are um we came to this recognition in the novitiate when you're like, wow, another happy ending, how insincere. And I was like, Hey, that was great, man. Um, so I think that maybe, maybe, maybe part of it is that so Marvel movies have begun to span genres. So some of them still propose to be kind of superhero epics. Um, mm -hmm. others have gone more camp, like conscious camp and, or ironic slapstick. Um, mm -hmm. others have gone, you know, like, like Spider-Man, is very consciously like high schooly, uh, so I would say that it's yes. pitched to a register that it's a little more juvenile than your ordinary yeah. Marvel movie. Like it's about homecoming, it's about your senior class trip, it's about these types of things, and a lot of it's kind of hijinksy. Even though you still have some pretty high stakes combat, 
So I think that when you approach a Marvel movie, I think the paradigm is still epic superhero tale. But when you're you know, pumping out three a year and you're also starting to mix genres where you've got like Guardians of the Galaxy and Chris Pratt is like making, you know, bathroom humor just as as to to his little heart's content. And, and, and you're you're kind of going there because you want to watch what, like maybe Captain America Winter Soldier, which is like a pretty, you know, pretty intenso film. Mm -hmm. um, you, you, sometimes it's a little confusing, but you always leave with an experience of something that was good. I think it's just, it can be a little bit destabilizing when you don't know exactly what you're signing up for. Like Thor 2, terrible movie. Thor 3, hilarious, but completely different genre. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's like, okay, so here's here's my comparison. Evelyn Waugh, he's, you, you start with Brideshead Revisit and you're like, dang, this guy's a writer of serious books. And then you go to the Sword of Honor trilogy and you're like, wow, also very, very chastening and beautiful. And then after that, it's just all satire. He just makes fun of everyone under the sun. He makes fun of the funeral business. He makes fun of the journalism business. He makes fun of boys' schools. He makes fun of everything. He just makes fun of everything. He makes fun of the institution of marriage. Um, but but if, you're, if you're looking for Brideshead, you're going to be disappointed. But if you're able to set your mm -hmm. sights on what he's actually proposing, then I think that you find something there that's, that's worthwhile. I don't know. Maybe that, mm. I think that's something of it. No, that's I think that, of it. no, that, I think there's something you're right about the genre crossing thing, because it is true. Like winter soldier, for instance, Captain America, winter soldier. I think that's the, to my mind, that's the best one. Um, or at least it's my favorite, I should say. Um, and then, which obviously is the best. Uh, and then, but like Spider-Man homecoming, for instance, yeah, is set to a different register. And, and if you lock on to what you think, like what you like about it, then you go to the other ones, you think, well, I, I was going for like a kind of cool character, moral Kantian, you know, t commitment movie. And I got a high school prom. But Vulture is pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Like, I, I think he was he was a great character, you know, the villains, um, which is which is good. So maybe that maybe it is the genre splicing. OK, yeah, that's right. All right. So, again, this to just to save this episode from being 24 hours long. Um, we'll move on to a, <laughs> another question of like, okay, so let's assume that they're not all just kind of uh, high school romp movies, which, you know, has its own benefits too, I suppose. Maybe Spider-Man teaches high schoolers how to ask people on dates and keep secrets from friends or something. I don't know. Um, what's, what, have you, I well, let's put it this way. Have you ever preached on a, on a Marvel movie theme or have you, has there been any, have you got anything from a Marvel movie or you've been impressed? Not like you learned something, but like. Is there anything where, you know, it's an embodiment of particular virtues or lessons or something that you thought, yeah, that's that that's good. I'm surprised that secular culture got that. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't say my, my first instinct is to say no. Um, you have deeper thoughts about this than I do, because I kind of come up with what I think after the fact. So I just I'm just like a big mess of impressions. And then afterwards, I'm like, I feel very strongly about this thing that I've never formulated up until this very moment. Um, but I mean, it's just kind of like. Uh, straight up 1950s Americana values are typically mm -hmm. what's proposed. Like we're all in this together and friendship first and sacrifice and, you know, loves need to be ordered in such a way as to reflect the common good. You know, it's just, I think it's kind of, it's kind of Pleasantville in a certain sense, which is nice and simple insofar as it's easy to make sense of. Um, but then may maybe some of those themes have gotten more rich, gotten more complex. I think Black Panther surprised a lot of people because they didn't exactly see where it was coming from. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Because you're like, okay, technology and then black culture is something that needs to be, as it were, not so much like colonial as, you know, by, by response to 
um, you know, like certain critiques. I don't know exactly how to formulate this point, but it's like, we've got this really cool hidden thing and we need to spread it. And the way in which we spread it is not by violence, but by like sharing our technology. And I think that people were just like, I didn't see that come. <laughs> right. Um, right. So sometimes the themes, they step out of the normal, the normal range or the normal kind of genre tropes. And then, and then maybe they surprise you, but I don't know. What do you think? I think the, to me, the interesting part is when they're, when their villains are not cyborgs or CGI monsters or something where when their villain is, so for instance, Black Panther, um, the, the Michael, Michael B. Johnson plays, plays the villain, um, spoiler alert. And he's, and he's, he's very likable. And he's proposing, as you say, like two. He's proposing one version of dealing with black oppression. For instance, is to to get to get back sort of revenge narrative. And um, the Black Panther is proposing a different kind of a vision. And so it's a it's a it's a critique, and it's a question about black society in in, in America and such. So it's got those bigger themes. But the character, you kind of weigh both. Like it's it's believable, and you you appreciate where Michael B. Jordan is coming from. In a sense, you get you get him. Um, even if at the end of the day you don't agree with them. I think Thanos is similar to this. If Thanos in the early on starts to just this like weird purple monster, whatever color he is, and kind of smiling at various points. But he later turns to be a good guy. Like he just wants to help the world be better, and so you should kill half the people in it. And that's plausible. Um But he's not like a bad he's not an evil person, right? He just wants to he just wants to help the universe. And he's just has he's a little bit misguided on it, on the means, you know. But the end is good. So, but he's there's something about. I mean, he's interesting. But Thanos has an attract. Uh, maybe maybe this is the John Milton Paradise Lost point of like Satan should be the most attractive character because of sinfulness. But like I I get you know I get Thanos a little bit. Like I there's something about him that's attractive, and in a sense, a villainy should be that. Like we're done with the kind of cowboys, Indians, bad guys, good guys kind of thing, where. Um, there's just pure evil and there's pure good. That's what happens when, like, Ragnarok, when you have the giant Steppenwolf at the start. Like, there's no interest. He's on fire. And there's no, I don't care about his history, his origin, whatever. I do care deeply about, like, where Thanos is from, what he's up to. Um, mm -hmm. Same thing with the Michael B. Jordan character. Or in the, the latest one, uh, Shin-Chi um, and the uh, the Ten Rings or whatever. The, I mean, the villain is, like, also family. It's, you know, or Vulture in Spider-Man. I think he's very... I mean, he's blue collar kind of guy. He's he's very approachable, and you know, so he vapor, vapor, vaporizes a few people. You're you get a sense of like the complexity of evil, uh, and I like that. I like that aspect of it. That's to me. They do when they do the villains. When they do villains well, they do them very well. Jeff Goldblum. When they do villains poorly, they do them very poorly, and they should just stop. They should not do that. That's you stop. That's when I feel like I'm still going to pay you money, but I wish I I wish I had better control of myself. I won't if you keep doing the CGI stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about Stephen. Um, yeah, he's not that impressive. Yeah, that's right. Um, what about so? Yeah, so that's that's something. I think you read about the fifties thing too, like good old fashioned values, not just Captain America, but like team play. And I mean, Captain America is kind of the ring leader, the moral compass of the of the group and such. Um, but uh, yeah, and what else to say about these about these guys? I want to say something like. Are these guys saints? Like, is this the model for mm. sin? Like, this is what we're supposed to think? And obviously they're not. And they're not for, mm. like, really good reasons of being entirely human. But what's, other than the fact that they're, like, a lot bulkier and more beautiful than some saints? 
Yeah. You know? But like what's a Catholic is there any Catholic takeaway of this? I don't think there needs to be. Um but but there are these these are like icons. It's like Disney princesses for men. You know, there's mm. they're like you know, you That's... see men walking around with like Captain America shirts and <laughs> like wallets and things. You or like Iron Man stuff, like and it feels it's not weird. Like it's you yeah. think like, oh he just likes Captain America or he likes Iron Man or he likes whatever. Or like people have Wonder Woman kind of things on their phones, like ladies. And you think, Oh, okay. They're signaling something. It's not just about aesthetics, it's something more than that, right? In the way that you do like tiny saints on your keychain or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, I so I guess maybe the question is to what end? A famous question once posed by Father Henry Stephan in a delightful context of meaningless meetings. Um, and I think that when you ask that of Marvel movies, it's not entirely clear, but I, I wonder if it needs to be. Because the point of a story isn't to give you uh, a philosophical framework in which to situate all of your first principles and all of your subsequent conclusions. So like if a movie over explains it can be a little bit burdensome. It's like a short story, for instance. Oftentimes with a short story, you just kind of get dropped in in the middle of the action. Subsequent actions transpire, and then you are pulled out of that universe, you know, after 12, 15, 18 pages, something like that. But you can still gain something, even though the framework uh, is, is limited or narrowed. Because by limiting or by narrowing, you're able to focalize what it is that you mean to convey at a kind of human level, you know, based upon the interactions of the characters. And I think that Marvel movies are typically not asking big, the biggest of questions. They're asking like sub biggest of questions. They're asking like second tier questions. They're asking about friendship. They're asking about loyalty. They're asking about the things that you've mentioned, mm -hmm. um, but they're not actually, they're not asking about like something transcendent. So for instance, yeah. um, half of the world is gone. Okay. Let's bring that half of the world back. They don't ask the second question of like, to what end? Right. Because it's not for them to ask because they're all kind of like heavies. They're all kind of lunks. You know, they're not philosophers. So they're not thinking like, well, if we do bring them back, then we need to begin this, you know, like a systematic catechesis of the entire world. So that way, when we start placing demands on the environment and all of our blah, 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 we, like we do so in a way that represents a kind of organic Christian human ecology. No, they're not asking those questions. They're just like people are gone. That is bad. Let's bring those people back. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that oftentimes those are the types of evaluations that we're making in our own lives. And I think that's fine. I don't think that all of our, all of our, you know, obviously we're, we're to refer our actions to God as our end, but that doesn't necessarily mean that when you go to get a haircut, you're like, okay, it has been four and a half weeks since my last haircut. I want to get a haircut at the optimal haircutting time for the glory of God and the salvation of souls. And I think it might be profligate if I were to spend extra money at this interval, because while my hair looks a little bit uncomely, it is not yet entirely disastrous. So perhaps I should No, It's just like, just get a haircut, you know? And I think that Marvel heroes are just in the, they're just in the habit of getting a haircut, mm -hmm. but they just have huge, huge, huge amounts of responsibility, huge, huge amounts of power. So they give haircuts to all of humanity. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I think that's correct. Yes, <laughs> haircuts. Okay, well, I think, I mean, that's a good reminder for all of us to get haircuts at appropriate times, <laughs> I would say. Uh, and so uh, I think we'll probably call it quits on that, uh, uh, discussing Marvel, since uh, it seems like our time is up. And uh, if uh, if you like this episode or if you have friends who like Marvel, like so that's to say if you know someone who's a human being 
uh, in America <laughs> and other countries, then uh, feel free to share them with this. Maybe it'll sp- spark your own thinking about like what is it about Marvel movies that are that are great? What about it that's not so great? Um, what purpose do they serve in our lives? Uh, what what yeah why there's why they're so successful and what we're supposed to do with them and whether just to enjoy them and that and that sort of thing. Um, uh, final notices. Thank you for your for the uh, Patreon uh, supporters, of course. Again, for the camera and other technologies that we have and upcoming things. Um, we're praying praying for uh, Advent and such. So, um, Father Gregor, do we have any particular announcements that we have to prepare for that kind of thing? Not really. Advent Lexios. Those those draw the blah blah blah. I was about to say drop, but then I criticized myself for saying a stupid word. Those episodes appear on your podcast app and on YouTube on Saturdays. So that's just to pray with the readings for the Sundays in Advent and Christmas, you know, as a as a penance, perhaps, or as a way of spiritual enrichment. Yeah. And if it's Advent right now, this, since it's a live show, then you're enjoying them as, as we are. So, um, so that's great. We hope you have a great Advent. Oh, OK. It is Thanksgiving. That's right. Correct. Um, the yeah. turkey is yeah. great. We hope you spend time with your families. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, like us, follow us on uh, on all the social media platforms. <laughs> I don't generally end these things up, but here we go. So we'll be praying for you. Pray for us, and we'll see you again on God's Planning. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of Saint Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app, and visit us at GodsPlaning.org.